front lines. Men on the front lines. Men on the front lines. Men on the front lines. We call for these mighty men of valor. The Lord put a vision in my heart for a new movement amongst men in the body of Christ. The Lord says that I'm going to make champions out of those who would gather unto me. And I believe what men on the front lines will do. And I see it going into the nations. He's going to raise the bar among men. It's time for heroes to arise. I'm Robert Hodgkin, and this is Heroes Arise. Men on the Frontline social media broadcast, equipping, encouraging, and empowering you to arise as the hero, warrior, and champion that God created you to be. You matter, you are important, and you have a key role to play for the kingdom and the earth. So thank you for joining me again this week so we can continue to pour into you. And this week, we're going to be talking about why has there been so much resistance in the spirit? Why has there been so much warfare? And why is the enemy pushing back as hard as he is? We're also going to talk about why God has been allowing this. And I'm going to give you six keys on how you can continue to stand strong in the midst of all the warfare and resistance that we are currently encountering. But just before we get into all that, I've got a couple announcements for you. First of all, I want to make sure you know that this weekend, November 4th through 7th, is our West Coast men's event, our Man Camp 2021 at Lake Big Bear, California, with myself, with Brad Carter, with Ben Hughes, and with Pastor Johnny Thompson. We're all going to be there this weekend. And you know what? I just checked in with the host today. There are a few spots left. And you can actually, if you are in that area and can get there, we, we even have a sponsor, who, a benefactor, who is willing to sponsor men for free. He has been so impacted and so blessed by these men's events. He said he was willing to sponsor up to 25 guys. Now, most of those spots have been filled, but I checked today and there are a few left. If you're interested in securing one of those spots where your registration is completely paid for, and that covers all the mentoring sessions, all the teaching sessions, all the activities, all the food, your lodging, it's all covered. The only thing that wouldn't be covered is getting there and getting back if you're not in the California area. But if you can drive in and you are free this Thursday through Saturday night, you don't want to miss it. Come and join us for Man Camp, our 2021 West Coast men's event this weekend, November 4th through 7th. You can find out all about it by going to menonthefrontlines.com and clicking the events link or simply email me and I'll get you the information, robert at menonthefrontlines.com and I'll shoot you all the information you need for the event or connect you with the benefactor so that you can get one of those sponsorship spots. The other announcement I have for you is many of you have been asking, hey, where have you been? Fair question. I know I haven't gotten a show out the last couple of weeks. I hope you've been enjoying all the other content we've been creating, like Word Up, uh, the new podcast, the new short form podcast and video podcast. Look for that along with the Heroes Arise podcast. 
Go to your favorite podcast platform and like, subscribe, and share the new Word Up podcast. It's a short form devotional that gets you built up and powered up in the Word of God, like in three to five minutes. So you don't want to miss that. And then our God's Top Five segment has become really popular, and that's anywhere from 10 to 20 minutes. We're doing those um, in rotation with uh, Word Up, but there um, we were we were so you know I got so many lists on the internet that I was seeing the the top 10 extra shoulder exercises for men over 40 the top 10 horror movies the the top five you know keto diet strategies whatever it is so much about hollywood and so much about some stuff that's just nonsense but then i realized where are the lists about god and how great he is and how great his word is so we decided to create god's top five and it's a top five list like the top five scriptures about healing the top five uh personality traits of god things like that so you're going to want to see those segments as well you can catch those on my youtube channel my rumble channel and then of course we also have our ask robert series that's been going on all year and that's another short form uh video series where viewers send in questions. And, and I've said, you can ask me about anything. So a lot of them are theological questions. A lot of them are questions about life and ministry and how to get in ministry. And what does that look like? Questions about prayer. And then there's just some fun ones. Like people have asked me things like, what's your favorite restaurant? So you can not only see all those Ask Robert segments, there's dozens of them now, also on my Robert Hodgkin YouTube channel and um, my uh, Rumble channel. And do check it out. I actually was doing an interview recently with uh, up in Canada, and the host mentioned to me, they said, oh my gosh, the Ask Robert segment's my favorite thing. Every week when one comes out, we watch it, we discuss the whatever theological topic or whatever it was that you answered. So check that out, YouTube channel, Rumble channel. Then on top of that, I also want to make sure that you know that all that's been going on. So we have been creating content, but I have not been getting out um, Heroes Arise shows just because I hadn't had a chance to get in the studio or when I had an opportunity at home, other things were coming up because I've been obviously a big focus for me has been caretaking my wife and coming alongside her in this journey this year. She overcomes cancer. And what happened was she had another surgery. And so for the past several weeks, I've been, she had taken that time off, obviously, to recover. And so any longer form stuff, it was challenging for me to get to do while I was helping take care of her. But she is on the mend. She's, she is just a rock star, man. She has maintained her faith. She's maintained her focus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All of you who have been praying for Yuri. We are, things are looking great. We'll have uh, this Friday, we'll have the latest report of the scans and she'll meet with the surgeon to find out exactly where we are, but we are expecting a really good report. Our faith is that she's going to be completely cancer free, that the, the section of colon that they had to work on that was resection will be healthy and that we're only one surgery away in the natural from her being on the other side of this thing by the new year. And who knows, we could see a miracle as we all continue to pray and that next surgery won't even have to be scheduled. So that's where I've been. Thank you so much for your care, your concern, your prayers. Those of you who have come alongside of us in other ways, I don't even have words on how to thank you other than just to say thank you so much for your friendship. Thank you so much for your, your generosity and your graciousness. We love you. We appreciate you. And as we've said all along in this journey, those of you out there who feel like you're going through similar things alone, we want you to know you're not. 
you can post in the comment sections on these videos and let us know what you're going through and i will be praying for you i do not take it lightly how many have been praying for myself and yuri and our family and our finances and so much all along the way through this uh this journey of overcoming this attack of cancer and we want to make sure that while we know how blessed we are to have the family and the friends and the church um, that we have gathering around us and rallying around us and all of our, our friendships through my wife's practice and through my ministry around the world. We do not take it lightly that you all have been there for us every step of the way. I get emotional every time I talk about it, but we're so, so grateful for you. But I know there are those of you going through things just as challenging, just as difficult, or even more so, and you feel alone. So I am letting you know you're not alone share what you're going through share what your prayer needs are and i will be praying for you all right one last quick announcement i already touched on it go to my robert hodgkin youtube channel go to the uh rumble channel like subscribe share the videos make sure on all your podcast platforms that you are listening to and subscribing to and sharing and following and and five-star reviewing the heroes arise podcast the word up podcast help us get word out our desire is to grow our subscriber base on YouTube and Rumble so we can always reach you there. We'll continue to put things out through Facebook. There's obviously some big changes coming to Facebook. We don't know everything that's going to happen, but we'd love to build um, a, a, a subscriber base on YouTube and even Rumble like what we have here when I release videos through Facebook Live through all our different platforms on Facebook. So please do that and not only subscribe, but like and share and five-star review. I don't understand how it affects the algorithm, but I know it does. And you become our marketing department. So help us with that. And as I said before, on all your podcast platforms, if you've already subscribed to the Heroes Arise podcast, make sure to search for Word Up with Robert Hodgkin and subscribe to that one. It's a really, really quick hit uh, of, of the Word of God and a quick hit devotional that will remind you of some way that you are empowered in Christ through his word. All right, let's jump into this week's topic. Have you noticed the intensity of the battle in the spirit lately? Have you noticed the intensity of the resistance and the pressure? Well, I want to I want to first of all tell you if you have you're not crazy because I can't tell you the number of people I've talked to by phone by zoom in different parts of the country here in the or uh, in different parts of the USA and different parts of the world who are reaching out to me saying am I nuts what is going on I can feel a ramping up of spiritual intensity and spiritual pressure and spiritual warfare why is this happening and I'll tell you you guys know me I have the duh anointing I operate in a revelatory gift but God is so kind he makes things simple for me and to me why the enemy is pushing back so hard right now is the enemy is actually quite scared. Now, the enemy's lying to us. The enemy's trying to highlight things in the news, in government, in media, in the education system, and other areas. He's really trying to convince us that he's winning. He's really trying to convince us that what we're experiencing, this, this increased resistance, is that just that we're wearied, that he's wearying us, he's worrying us, he's tiring us out, and he's, he's 
he's he's just wants us to lay down and quit. He wants to convince us he's winning. I tell you, he's not. I know for a fact he's not. You don't have to be a prophet or a discerner or a feeler in the spirit. The word of God says that he's defeated. When Jesus Christ hung on the cross, he said, it is finished. And he wasn't just talking about his time in the earth. He was talking about his assignment that we see in 1 John, where it says, the Son of God manifested for this purpose, that every work of the enemy would be destroyed. The enemy's defeated. Sin, hell, and death have been defeated. Now, that doesn't mean there aren't people in the earth cooperating with wicked agendas, with unrighteous agendas, with demonic powers and principalities, some doing it knowingly, some doing it unknowingly. They're in uh, high levels of influence in government, in media, in the education system, in business, in arts and entertainment, in, in every sphere, they're there. And they're doing it, whether they know it or not, whether it's conscious or unconscious, they are, they are cooperating with powers and principalities. And there is darkness in the earth and deep darkness on the people. But God's word is really clear about what we're to do. We are to arise and shine in those hours because our light has come. Our Jesus has come. Our victor has come. Our victory in him has come. So the enemy realizes, this is like a 1 Kings 18 moment. Remember when Elijah stands up against the occultic power structure and the wicked king and queen, the Ahab and the Jezebel ruling over Israel at that time, and Elijah says, enough is enough. I know who my God is. I know who I am. It's time for a showdown in the spirit for the nation, and he goes up on Mount Carmel, and he lets all the occultic priests take their turn, and it amounts to nothing, and one man with God, just like one woman with God. I know this is men on the front line, social media broadcast, and I'm talking to empower my brothers but I'm also incredibly grateful for the wonderful women, the anointed women of God who watch this show every single week. We believe in you. We're cheering you on. You are part of God's solution in this hour, just like the men are. We're so grateful for you, ladies. And this speaks to you as well. One man or one woman with God is in the majority and can shift things in a nation. And right now in the United States of America and nations all across the world, the church is waking up to the power that we have in Christ to not ignore or deny the facts of the darkness in our nations and the deep darkness on our people and the wickedness of policies and the unrighteousness of agendas that are being fueled and furthered by the enemy through people and in, in every sphere of influence, men and women on both sides of the aisles. This isn't a political thing. This is a righteous and unrighteous thing. This is a wicked and, and holy thing. But the church is waking up to the fact that while all that may be going on, we have authority in Christ to deal with it in the spirit and to not give place to frustration, fear, doubt, anger, um, uh, despair, depression, but to arise and shine, to arise and declare the word of God, to arise and operate in our authority as kingdom agents of impact, God's dominion stewards in the earth. And we're waking up to it and we're praying and we're decreeing and we know the word of God has impact. So the enemy's terrified. The enemy is acting overconfident and like, I'm, I'm advancing on every front. Your prayers aren't working. Those are lies. The enemy is defeated 
And the more we stand up and who we truly are in, with, and for Christ and decree and declare the word and cooperate with the strategies and blueprints of heaven, we're going to see Mount Carmel moments. One man with God stood up on Mount Carmel and prayed to God for the nation, brought the tribes of Israel back before God, fought for the people, fought for the nation, not against the people, not against the nation. He fought for them. And the heavens opened, the fire fell, and there was this massive victory where even all the entire occultic power structure of Ahab and Jezebel's Israel was destroyed. The wicked king and the wicked queen, the unrighteous rulers who were in league with darkness and their entire occultic power structure of magic and lies and witchcraft and manipulation and treachery and tyranny from powers and principalities, it's completely, utterly, and totally dismantled. The people cry out to return to God. Huge victory. What's the next thing that happens? The spirit of Jezebel operating through the queen, who's named Jezebel, that's where we get the name of the spirit, but it's the spirit working through her because we war not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. The spirit of Jezebel through the queen threatens Elijah, may, you're going to, I'm going to, you're going to be destroyed. I'm going to kill you. I'm blanking on exactly how it's worded in scripture. I don't have my Bible open to that part in front of me. But basically, the spirit through the queen says, if you are not rendered null and void, just like the occultic power structure of Israel and all of the Baal and Asherah priests have been, you know, that's what's coming. That's what's coming. Well, what I've always marveled at is that's like an empty threat when you think about it, because the entire occultic power structure that would have backed that up has been rendered null and void, has been completely wiped out. And yet it hits Elijah and he separates and he gives into depression and despair. And he says, I just want to go out into the desert and die. That's why the enemy's pushing back so hard right now. Elijah sees this massive victory on Mount Carmel and then supernatural empowerment to outrace the chariots of Ahab. He is seeing God show up through his prayers and in his faith so powerfully. And then the enemy pushes back hard because they're right on the brink of the entire nation shifting. I am telling you, we are on the brink of an incredible shift in the United States of America, but we must not cease our efforts in the spirit to take this nation back, decreeing the word of God, declaring the word of God, getting the strategies and blueprints and prayer strategies. If you have not um, uh, gone through our revivolution, taking our nations back in the spirit course, I highly encourage you to get that. I'm um, releasing that course into the Philippines. We're releasing that course into Bulgaria. I'm teaching it at our Shiloh PM services. We are empowering the church around the world how to wake up and how to strategize with heaven and how to cooperate with God's plans for their nations to take the nation back in the spirit because it's so important right now. We are on the edge of a great victory. That's why Satan's pushing back so hard right now. That's why his powers and principalities are 
are pushing back so hard right now. We are on the edge of a first Kings 18 total turnaround. What we need to make sure we don't do is have a first Kings 19 response like Elijah when the enemy pushed back against him. And the good news is, and I give glory and honor to God through what he did through Elijah, I'm not judging him, I'm learning from him. And the good news is that we're all in this together and that we can connect with each other and talk to each other in different cities, different states, different nations, through the internet, through Zoom, through shows like this where I can encourage you, equip you, and empower you. But that's why the enemy's pushing back so hard right now. He is so afraid of what we are on the edge of that God's not going to stop cooperating with us. He wants us to stop cooperating with God. What was the, why did the enemy threaten Elijah through Jezebel to get him discouraged, to get him frustrated, depressed, afraid, so he would give up, so he turned away from the battle, because the enemy knows God will never turn away, and if he's got one who's willing to co-labor with him, even when it looks like the whole nation's going in the wrong direction, it can all turn around, so that's why the enemy has been pushing back so hard lately. That's why the intensity of the resistance right now. The enemy wants to convince you that we're not on the edge of something, on the verge of something glorious, we are. He wants to convince you that he's winning, you're not. That's a lie, the enemy's defeated. And he wants to convince you to lay down, give up, be discouraged, be depressed. I get that you're weary, I get weary at times. It's been an intense year and a half but that's when I try to carve out some extra time with God, get refreshed, get restored, let the angels come and strengthen me, and then we're ready for the next round of battle that God wants to use us in. So that's why the enemy's pushing back so hard right now. That's why the, the resistance is so intense right now. But let's also talk, because you know I can say that, and you go, well, but if that was the case, why would God allow this? Well, there's a very specific reason God allows seasons like this. He actually addresses it in Luke 22, uh, 31 through 32. This is when right Jesus is doing his, his the Last Supper, right? They're in the upper room. He's just served communion, and he's getting ready to launch the guys out into the, to be the body of Christ, because he's about to go to the cross, he's about to ascend to heaven, and in that, send the Holy Spirit back and launch the first century church out as the body of Christ in the earth in the Great Commission to be his dominion stewards, his agents of impact, his great and mighty witnesses, wherever they are, of the reality of him and his kingdom. Isn't it interesting that the last thing he says, basically, is he talks to Peter, and he says, Peter, Satan is going to try to sift you like wheat. He's going to try to sift you like grain. He's going to come against you like he came against Elijah. But don't be afraid. I'm praying for you. I am praying that your faith does not fail. Now, isn't it interesting that that's God's response? Jesus says that. If I'm Peter, I'm turning to Jesus and saying, that's awesome, man, but could you pray that Satan doesn't sift me like wheat? See, that's our natural response. That's our earthly response. What we have to get is there's a kingdom purpose 
to intense seasons like we're in. And the kingdom purpose of seasons that are this intense is to strengthen our faith. Why? Because our faith is a substance. You guys have heard me share on this so much. And in the last two years, I've really been focusing on it because we need to catch that our faith, according to Hebrews 11.1, 1, is a substance. Our faith is not only believing in God and believing in his word and believing eternal truth and choosing to believe over temporary circumstances. That's all faith. But the, it's not only the believing. Our faith is a substance. So when we choose to believe eternal truth, when we choose to believe the word of God, when we choose to believe in God, with God, and for God, according to his will, according to his ways, according to his words, especially when it looks and feels like nothing is happening. The substance of our faith then actually works to establish what's already won and done and settled and given in the eternal realm. It works to establish it here in the temporal realm. That's what we are here for. That's the main way we operate as dominion stewards in the earth, through the substance of our faith and the power of our free will that God has given us. We choose power free will to believe the promises of God, the word of God, the eternal truth of God, especially over temporary circumstances, because that takes a greater substance of faith. When I pray for somebody and I see them instantly healed, and I've seen that a lot, it's brilliant. I love it. But that's a substance of faith that has established a realm of healing, and boom, it happens. When I pray and don't immediately see something happen, I have learned this is an opportunity now to see the substance of my faith increased so I can establish an even greater healing and miracle realm. Because just because I haven't seen anything happen, that doesn't mean the enemy's winning. That doesn't mean the enemy is beating back the blessing and healing of God and the enemy's winning. No, it may look that way. It may feel that way, but it's not truth. The enemy's defeated. We are healed by Jesus's stripes. It's done. It's enough, period. So then I get to choose to believe, and the substance of my faith is now establishing an even greater realm of healing and miracles because I am choosing to believe. So that's why God will actually allow Satan to give these seasons where it feels like we're being sifted, like there's resistance, like there's warfare, like there's pressure, like we've never felt before. It's because we're about to come into something bigger, greater, and more glorious. So he's saying to Peter, Look, I know you don't really get it, but before you come into something greater and you're about to, you're, you're, the substance of your faith will increase. Now, I'll do it. I'll give you the grace. I'll give you the substance of faith. I'll do it all for you, but you have to choose to believe. That's what the sifting seasons are about. And the longer the sifting season goes, the more intense it is, the more we have the opportunity to choose to believe the word of God. So the substance of our faith, our faith does not fail. So the substance of our faith establishes eternal truth in the temporal realm, which is what we are here for. We're the overlap between heaven and earth. This is so clearly established in Matthew 16. We've talked about this, but let me go back to it real quick. This is such a key and pivotal passage of scripture for us in the church right now, because we're going to grow in effectiveness for the kingdom. 
Remember what's going on in this passage in Matthew 16. Jesus says, who does the world say that I am? And they say, some say you're Jeremiah, some say you're Elijah, some say you're this rabbi, some say you're this prophet. And he doesn't give any heed to that. Remember, he's always modeling, he's always discipling, he's always rabbying, and he, he shows them not to give any heed to that. He then turns to Peter and says, Simon, who do you say that I am? And Simon says, you are the Christ, Lord. And he says, well done, Simon, son of Jonah, Simon Bar-Jonah. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but your Father in heaven. And upon this rock I shall build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. This is huge. This is our game plan. This is our blueprint. This is our strategy. These are our tactics. Jesus is showing us we are the overlap between heaven and earth. He goes on to say, and you can loose from heaven what into the earth what's been loose from heaven, and you can bind in the earth what has been bound in heaven. You can operate in my deputized authority, legislating, executing, and ministering my victory in every area and the utter defeat of the enemy. Loose from heaven all that I've won, bind in the earth all the enemy tries to do because he's utterly defeated. But it comes from, don't listen to what the world is saying. Don't listen to what your flesh is saying. Listen to what your father is saying. In other words, choose to listen to, give heed, give place, give focus, and believe the word of God over anything else. When you do that, the gates of hell shall not prevail. What does that mean? Anywhere the enemy has a stronghold in the earth, anywhere the enemy has a stronghold in our lives, our families, our bloodlines, our streets, our cities, our nations, our world, it's choosing to believe eternal truth, the word of God, over the report of the world. What does CNN says going on in the world right now? What does MSNBC say is going on in the world right now? What does Fox News say is going on in the world right now? Don't give heed to that. What does your flesh say? Oh, my flesh says it's, it's, it's dark and it's hard and it's difficult. Well, don't give heed to that. What does the word of God say? The word of God says, Isaiah 55, 5, I can speak to nations and they will obey because God has made me glorious. The word of God says, Isaiah 45, God will go before me. He will level the mountains. He will smash through the gates of bronze. He will cut through the bars of iron. He will give me the secret riches hidden in the darkness. God, this is an exciting season. You are at work in my nation, and as I choose to believe that and listen to your word and decree it and declare it and loose that victory from heaven into the earth, loose that victory I have in you in the eternal realm, and I believe it and I agree with it and I choose to believe it so the substance of my faith co-labors with you to establish it in the earth, then that's smashing, smashing, smashing anywhere in my life or nation, let's focus on our nation right now, anywhere in our nation, the enemy seems to have a stronghold. Oh, the gates of hell shall not prevail in Congress. The gates of hell shall not prevail in the White House. The gates of hell shall not prevail in the education system or the media or Hollywood. The gates of hell shall not prevail anywhere in this nation. I am fighting for the nation. I am fighting for the people of this nation. I'm fighting for the leaders of this nation, especially the deceived ones. Jesus went to the cross for them too. But that's why God allows these seasons. It's not the enemy outmaneuvering him or beating him or winning in any way. It's God saying to each of us, Satan's trying to sift you like wheat right now. 
He's trying to get you discouraged, to despair, be depressed, to give up, to lay down, to quit. Ah, don't fear. I am interceding at the right hand of the Father for you. The Holy Spirit is groaning in Romans 8 intercession on your behalf that your faith will not fail. And that's not about that you'll stop believing in the Lord. It's about so the substance of your faith will continue to work with and on behalf of heaven to establish truth in the earth. So that's why God allows these seasons where our hands are being trained to war. This isn't the enemy winning. This is God raising up heroes of holiness, radicals of righteousness, super spiritually buffed men and women of God who are ready to take territory and smash through the gates of hell because we choose to believe. Our faith does not fail, and we choose to believe the report of heaven and the word of our father instead of what the world says or what the world looks like or what the world feels like or what our flesh cries out. We're actually being built up in this season because remember what Jesus ends up saying to, uh, uh, finishes saying to Peter there in Luke. It says, but fear not, I am praying so that your faith does not fail. And when you come back to me, Maybe that's believing in him. I personally think it means come back into alignment with my will, my word, and my way and choosing that. Go and strengthen your brothers. See, another reason that you're going through what you're going through is you're one of God's mightiest warriors. And he's actually strengthening you so that you can strengthen others. There's a guy in our Men in the Frontlines community right now who's going through something really, really difficult with his wife and his family. And we text or talk most days, every couple of days for sure. And most days we're at least texting once or twice. What I've gone through this last year with my family and my wife is helping me be there for him to listen, to love, to support, to encourage, to be a shoulder to cry on, someone to vent to and laugh with, but also to share a couple nuggets of wisdom and faith that I've learned in this last year. Satan has tried to sift my family my wife and me like wheat this past year, but God's been so incredibly faithful to us. Our faith has not failed. It's actually been strengthened. And we know we're helping to establish a realm that we're going to get to share with others and build others up in. And we're even seeing early fruit of that. And that's what's going on for you. So with that in mind, I told you that I would share with you why the enemy's pushing back so hard right now, why the spiritual warfare and resistance is so intense right now. Then I'd also share why God allows seasons like this. It's definitely not that he's being beaten or outmaneuvered by the enemy. But I also said I'd give you six keys on how that will help you stand strong in seasons like this so that your faith does not fail and you're actually strengthened to become an even greater warrior through all this. So let's jump into those six keys. All right, key number one, the blood of Jesus Christ. And you guys know me, I have the dot anointing. So when you hear something that obvious, don't dismiss it. The kingdom's simple. Kingdom's not always easy, but it is simple. And here's what we have to decide about the blood of Jesus Christ. We have to decide that it's enough, that what Jesus did at the cross is enough, that he truly did win all and give all, that he defeated every work of the enemy, that hell and death are completely, utterly, and totally defeated. Satan all of his plans, all of his plots, all of his ploys, all of his powers, all of his principalities, all of his minions, all of his ministrations, they are all defeated. 
This does not mean he doesn't have the power to try to lie to us and tell us he's not. He's the father of lies. Of course, he's going to lie to us. But we need to look to the cross. We need to look to the blood of Jesus and declare this is enough. We do believe that the enemy's defeated, especially when it doesn't look and feel that way. That's what's so key. But remember, when Jesus hung on the cross, shedding his blood for us, he declared it is finished. He not only paid the price for our sin, he not only took the wrath of our righteous judge and loving father, he not only was the propitiation for our sins, but he also utterly and totally defeated the enemy, how and death. That's what his blood bought for us. He also made us holy through the shedding of the blood. We're sanctified, set apart, and made holy by the blood of the Lamb, where the very righteousness of God in Christ, whose Holy Spirit can come into us and empower us. But all of this begins with the blood of Jesus Christ and deciding that it is enough and that the devil is defeated, especially when it doesn't look and feel that way. This is why I believe in the book of John, the very last thing Jesus disciples, mentors, and rabbis, the disciples in, um, at the end of John 16, then obviously John 17, they're in the upper room, but Jesus is interceding for and praying for the disciples. He's not discipling at that moment. He's ministering and, and praying over them and over us, ministering to them and praying over them and over us. But just before that, the very last thing Jesus gives is instruction to the disciples before he goes to the garden and then to, um, uh, uh, to the cross. He says, these things I have spoken to you, the last three and a half years, everything I've done, I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So here's one of the, the hard truths of this. A, there's going to be battles, but that doesn't mean that, that, that the enemy's winning, because Jesus says, don't worry, I've overcome it all. But here's one of the things that helps, helps align me, helps me get my attention of needing to align, maybe is a better way to say it. He's very clear. In me, you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. Now, tribulation doesn't just mean challenges. It, I think it means like being churned up by all those challenges. It's not just the troubles. It's the, it's the churning response to the troubles is how I look at tribulation. Trials and challenges, yes, we're going to have. But in those, we can be at peace if we're in him because he's overcome the world. So when I catch myself all agitated, all tribulated, all, you know, if I'm getting discouraged or giving place to despair or frustration or anger, I realize, wait, this isn't peace that passes all understanding. I'm in the world right now. I'm not in Christ right now. I'm not talking about losing our salvation. I'm talking about where's my focus? What am I listening to? I must be listening to the world or I must be listening to my flesh instead of listening to my heavenly father, because in Christ, I'm going to be able to hear my father and his plans, his blueprints, what heaven wants to do, strategies. I'm going to be encouraged. I'm going to be excited. I'm going to be filled with faith, even while dealing with the trials and the challenges if I'm in Christ. So, and I do all that through his blood. So if I catch myself frustrated, angry, uh, discouraged, uh, distressed, 
I know the blood is enough. And I simply take a moment and say, Father, I repent of my frustration. I repent of my anger. I repent of my faithlessness. I repent of giving so much heed to my flesh or so much heed to the world. I repent. Thank you that I'm covered by the blood of Jesus, that these sins of, of faithlessness are removed. Sins of fear, sins of anger that gives a foothold to the enemy, they're removed. Thank you that the blood is more than enough. And now by faith, I put myself right back into Christ. I abide in Christ. He abides in me. Lord, give me the strategy for this next moment or this next day or this next week. So key number one, the blood of Jesus. Key number two, we've got to learn to process loss without seeing it as a defeat. And here's what I mean. Look, there has been loss in this season. There has been loss in my life. I've had people I know go home to glory recently for a variety of reasons. Some all unjust, all unfair, whether it was that, that the enemy isn't allowed to attack them with sickness to treatments that ended up being harder on them than even the sickness was. But look, there's loss, and it'd be ridiculous for me to deny that loss. Scripture tells us, Ecclesiastes tells us, there's a time and a season for everything, including mourning. So when there's real loss, it doesn't do any good to ignore it and just stuff it away. I come from a culture of emotion stuffers. I come from a, a, a Northeast culture of just stuff everything away. And I have learned and I still see when I do that, I can't even lie to myself and say, yeah, everything's fine. Everything's fine. I'm just, you know, I'm, 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 I'm okay with it. But if I'm not processing it, if I'm not going to God and working through the loss or the, 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 the whatever it is, and I'm just stuffing it away, it never fails. It, it, it comes out it, and not in a good way usually. So I have learned we have to process. There's real loss going on right now. We've lost two pastors in my church, Shiloh Fellowship. We've done memorial services for them and for their family to be there with them, to be there for them. So we can all process the loss together with God. There's a time for that. It'd be ridiculous to deny that and ignore that. But we also have to make sure that while we don't deny loss, that we don't see loss as defeat. And what do I mean? Like one of the pastors in our church who went home to glory, all the people, we have been contending for their healing and taking authority over the sickness and taking authority over any treatments that, that weren't good for them or that they weren't responding well to and speaking to their body and commanding life into their body, into their organs and other things. The enemy wants to convince us that losing them, that they're not being in our day-to-day -day life, in our Sunday church life, in getting to serve with them at church and events and having my friends to go to lunch with them, things like that, that's loss. It's, it's a real loss. Like Pastor Aaron, I won't get to have a coffee or a lunch with. So I've lost that in my life, but that loss is not a defeat. And the enemy wants me to think it's a defeat so that I'll give back the territory that was taken, that through the substance of my faith, we not only contended for his healing, but we contended for resurrection because we felt that the, 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 his passing away was so unjust and so unrighteous. So we contended against the, the sickness. 
we contended for life and resurrection, and we did it for days, and we did it in great faith, and we did it as a church, and we did it as small groups. So much prayer went forth. So much substance of our faith established realms of healing and realms of resurrection power. The enemy wants to convince us the loss of not having Pastor Aaron in our life on a regular basis is a defeat so that we give back all the territory that was taken in the spirit all the realm of healing and the realm of resurrection power that's been established through our faith-filled prayers. So is there loss? Yes, but that loss isn't a defeat. You know, sometimes we think when there's battle after battle after battle, oh my gosh, the enemy's winning, we're losing. No, something God helped me with was he pointed to Jesus in the desert in scriptures, and the enemy came at Jesus three times, three attacks. And Jesus won every one of those battles and pushed back on all those attacks on our behalf. And the enemy didn't just bow after the first one. There was another one and another one. And what the Holy Spirit put on my heart was if the enemy's going to come against Jesus, who was perfect as a man connected to God, one time, two times, three times, and then again in the garden and, and through people all through his, his walk, Jesus never lost a single battle. So he was never defeated in a battle. So the enemy's attacks don't mean we're losing and don't mean we're defeated. But then when we experience a real loss in those attacks, like a friend going home to glory, we need to make sure that, that we don't see that loss as a defeat. And I, I'll, I'll point to the cross on that one. You know, everybody other than heaven looked at the cross and saw it as a loss. And it was a loss. The disciples lost their rabbi. The disciples lost their understanding of how things were going to go. There was a lot of loss, and I don't have time to unpack all of it. There's a lot of loss there. The mistake they made wasn't about mourning the loss of having Jesus in their day-to-day -day lives, the rabbi right there, or even what they thought he was going to do and how they were going to do it, how he's going to do it. But that, that, the mistake they made was they thought that loss was a defeat, so they drifted away. The cross looked like and felt like to a defeat, uh, as a defeat to everybody, including those who had walked closest with Jesus. But it wasn't a defeat. It was the greatest victory that's ever been seen anywhere in all the earth. All of sin and the, the devil were defeated. And Jesus is actually going down into hell to defeat hell and defeat death itself, to be raised up out of death. It was a great victory. So when something looks and feels like a loss, then we should mourn it as a loss and work with God. But we don't want to give back the territory we've taken in our faith battle by seeing that loss as a defeat. Because so often what looks and feels like a defeat in the moment ends up being a divine setup for a massive heaven victory. All right, key number three. Key number three is you have to know you have a role to play. This is why I declare over you every single show, you matter, you're important, you have a key role to play for the kingdom in the earth, because you do. And it's really key that you get that, because otherwise what will happen is when things get intense like this, you'll just decide, oh, I, I'm not that important. I'll just, I'll just lay back. We disengage, we check out, we duck and cover. We think, well, let's lead it, leave it to the mighty leaders in the earth. Like the, you know, pick your favorite mighty leader, Patricia King or, or um, uh, Bill Johnson, or, you know, pick your favorite leader, your favorite spiritual powerhouse. Well, they are spiritual powerhouses and they are leaders and they are doing great things, but you're needed too. How do I know? Because you're here now. 
God hand selected you to be here right now. One of the scriptures God has put on my heart to declare over everybody in this hour is first as out of 1 Samuel 9, 20 through 21. And it's when the prophet Samuel comes to Saul and says, I'm here to tell you that you're the focus of all Israel's hopes. You're the focus of heaven's hopes in the earth on behalf of God's people. And Saul's response is, but me? I'm, I'm only from the tribe of Benjamin, the smallest tribe in Israel. And my family's the least important of all the families of that tribe. And he says, why are you talking like this to me? And I think in hours like this, sometimes when we hear the rallying cry of heaven, or even somebody like me rallying the troops through this program and reminding you how important, how key you are for heaven and the earth right now, how important, how critical, and how God has hand-selected you to be here now, to contend for our nation, to contend for the plans and purposes of God and the earth. We can think, why are you talking to me? I'm just this, that, and the other thing. I'm not Patricia King. No, Patricia King's Patricia King, but you're you, and God has hand-selected you, and you, you are called to be a pivotal part of his plans. Now, check in with him. What does that look like? What does that mean? But you are absolutely pivotal. You have a role to play, so don't let the devil lie to you and minimize how you see yourself. Start to see yourself as God sees you, as heaven sees you. You have a key role to play. So this is not a time to disengage. It's not a time to duck and cover or check out. It's a time to check in with heaven and find out, Lord, how do I cooperate? How do I participate? What's my role in all of this? All right, key number four. This is one of my favorites, challenging, but one of my favorites. We need to understand that we're not always going to understand. Isaiah 55, 11 uh, says it, or sorry, 55, 8, and 9. 55, 11 is about how the word of God never returns void. Isaiah 55, 8, and 9 say, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So this is God saying, hey, you're not always going to understand. Think about Moses. When he has this open-eyed, radical encounter with the burning bush in the desert, he even wrestles with the assignment there. It's like, oh, I've got questions, and I've got questions about me. I've got questions about you. I've got questions about Egypt. I've got questions about Israel, and God answers all of them. But even then, he's like, okay, well, but I'm old, and I stutter, and what am I going to say? And God gives him these three supernatural empowerments, right? He gives him the, the, the staff that turns into the snake, and he gives him the, the hand goes in and covered with a leprosy, but then it's healed. He gives him, pour out the cup of the water, and it becomes blood. He supernaturally empowers him in a supernatural open-eyed encounter. And Moses is all fired up, and he goes and sees one of the greatest miracles of the Old Testament. He shares with God's people, and all of God's people are in union and agreement. It's an incredible miracle. All of God's people are like, yes, we hear you. We believe with you. We're, we're with you. We're cheering you on. Go. Go to Pharaoh. And then you know what happens. Moses strides up confidently and says, God, thus saith the Lord, let my people go. And, and, and Pharaoh says, no. And you guys obviously have way too much time on your hands that you're dreaming up all this hijinks and nonsense. I'm going to increase the labors of Israel. 
And Moses goes to God at the end of, what is it? The end of Exodus 5 and the beginning of Exodus 6. And he's like, why did you bother sending me? I don't understand. Nothing went the way I thought it was going to go. Why did, things are worse. Why did you send me? And God answers, and ultimately the answer comes down to four words. I am the Lord. And Moses has to understand he's not going to always understand. And he's got to do this over and over and over again, because we know the story, and we know it's 10 times before the people are set, Israel set free. Moses didn't know that. Every time Moses goes back, he's in faith and expectation that this is it. I get it. God, God yes, God, I'll do it. And he goes with total faith and speaks with absolute authority. So you could say he's decreeing and declaring and operating according to heaven's plans, purposes, blueprints, and strategies, and yet it doesn't go in a way that makes sense to him. He doesn't understand. Again and again and again, he has to get comfortable with understanding. He's not always going to understand, but he chooses to. And from that, then, he gets to see this incredible victory, not according to his understanding and timeline, but according to God's understanding and timeline. Lean not on your own understanding, but acknowledge God, trust God with all your heart, acknowledge him in all your ways, and he will make your path straight. Proverbs 3, verses 5 through 6. Key, key, key scripture for us right now. I don't think we realize how often we, under, we lean on our own understanding. You know, we, we think faith is expecting God, and that it is part of it. But we also then get to a place where sometimes we expect our expectations of God more than we expect God, and we call it faith. When our expectations aren't met, we have to say, I don't understand. I thought I understood, but I don't understand. And we got to get comfortable with understanding that we won't always understand. Sometimes we will. Sometimes God will lead us step by step by step, and we'll understand each step of the way. But then sometimes we're blessed with a Moses journey or an Abram journey, and we don't always know. We don't fully get it. But the more we get comfortable with understanding that we won't always understand, the easier it will be to stay in faith to not get sifted by the enemy. Another real quick example. Remember uh, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego when in Daniel 3, they don't bow down to the uh, idol that Nebuchadnezzar builds, and they get ratted out by their peers, actually, in the government. And they're brought before Nebuchadnezzar, and he says, is it true you're not bowing down? Because if you're not bowing down, I got to throw you into the fire. And what they say to him is, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. And here it is. But even if he does not, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. What are they saying? They're saying, we know our God, we know what he's capable of, and we have faith that he will rescue us and, and meet our expectations. But even if he doesn't, and we don't understand, we're okay, we understand, we won't always understand. And our, our obedience to God and our faith in God is not, is not based on understanding or him meeting our expectations. It's based on us trusting who he is and what he says. That is understanding you won't always understand. All right, two more keys, and I'll go through them quickly. Uh, key number five, this carries me probably as much or more than anything than the word of God itself. When you have no idea what God is doing, or you have no sense of God, where are you in all this? Why is it so intense right now? But when you have no idea what God is doing, focus on what God is like. This is huge to me. 
because I am capable of getting frustrated, irritated, challenged, impatient. I'm very capable of that. But when I pull back, I realize it's because of all the things we're talking about. I don't understand. I thought I understood. My expectations aren't being met. This isn't what I want. This isn't how I thought it would be. But when I shift to, I don't understand what you're doing, shift from, I don't understand what you're doing, God. I don't even know where you are in all of this right now. It just looks like the enemy's advancing. I realize, wait, I'm being sifted by the enemy. There's an opportunity in this. And for me, the big shift happens when I shift from realizing my focus is on, I don't understand and I don't know what's going on to, God, I do know what you're like. You're faithful, you're trustworthy, you're good, you're almighty, you're invincible in battle. I know what you're like. I just don't simply understand what you're doing or where you are in this, but I know what you're like. And then my faith is like, well, yes, you are the Lord God almighty. You are trustworthy. You are powerful. You love me. You love this nation. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you that you shed your blood for the people in this nation, that your plans and purposes for this nation, you're merciful, you're forgiving, and you're absolutely righteous, and you're absolutely just, and you're absolutely trustworthy in all of this. I don't know what's going on, but I know you're trustworthy. So when we don't know what God is doing, we can always, always, always focus on what he's like. I'm just looking at, I, I have a little example out of Numbers 14 in my notes, but I think if I go into that, we're going to be here for another half hour. So let me just leave it with that. To me, other than the word of God itself, the character and nature of God focusing on him always helps me get through those challenging seasons and remain in faith because I have so much faith in who he is and what he's like. I often tell people, you know, um, the second most important decision we make in this life, the first most important is to decide to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. But I personally believe then the second most important decision we make in this life is to decide to believe that God is good. Because when we know he's good, then we can focus on his character and nature. When nothing looks good or feels good, we still know he is good and we can expect his goodness and declare his goodness. And you guys have heard me say this so many times. But when I really have no idea what's going on and even think, I don't even know what to pray. It's just so intense right now. I focus on what he's like. I focus that he's good and trustworthy and kind and that he, he, he's more than willing. He's more than able. And I will declare, God, I know you are good. And I declare the fullness of your goodness into my nation. I declare the fullness of your goodness into what we're facing right now. And I declare that you are well able and you want to bring about the very best results from these current set of circumstances, because I know that's who you are and you're what you're like, because you're good, God. All right. And then our last key, and I began with a duh, the blood of Jesus, and I'm going to end with a duh, but I want to remind you the kingdom's simple. So don't go, well, yeah, of course, and just dismiss it. Let me unpack it for you a little bit, because you're going to see that key number six is to pray and why it's so important. One, because when we declare the word of God, according to Isaiah 55, 11 through 13, it never returns void. It accomplishes all that it has been sent to do, and it always bears fruit. And then we can read about how it impacts us. It impacts the people. It impacts all of creation. Spend some time in Isaiah 55, 11 through 13. It'll help you get your eyes off. Well, I'm looking at 
what's going on and deciding whether or not the prayers are working. No, look at Isaiah 55, 11 through 13, and you'll say, I know the prayers are working. They can't not work. I'm going to keep praying, keep decreeing, keep declaring. And you know, if you want them, remember, I have got the eight decrees to heal a nation that I put together for this season. And it makes it very easy to pray and declare and decree scripture-based decrees into the atmosphere of the nation to help shift it. But not only does prayer work because when we, when we pray scriptural prayers, it works. But listen to this. When Jesus was giving instruction to the disciples, when he was really going to war for all of creation, all men, all women, all tribes, all tongues, all children, all places, all time. He's going into the Garden of Gethsemane for the last push in the spirit. You want to talk about intense resistance. His capillaries burst. He was literally sweating blood because of the intensity of the spiritual pressure. Sometimes when I think things are getting really intense, I'll talk with my wife and I'll be like, well, at least our capillaries aren't bursting, you know, I mean, because Jesus won this battle for us. But this is what he says to the disciples. So to us, how we can co-labor with him when he's winning, or in this instance now, because he has won, enforcing, executing, and legislating that victory in us and through us in the spirit. He says, pray that you will not give into temptation. That's huge, because that doesn't just mean that we don't go out you know, murdering and adultering and porning. It means um, that we won't give into the temptation of laying down everything we've talked about, that we won't give into the temptation of sifting. So we feel what's the point, what matters, and give into checking out and ducking and covering or getting into despair or into discouragement and giving up. So, so one of the key things we do is we pray, you know, it's in Jude, I believe, where it says, pray in tongues to build you up in your most holy faith, to build up your spirit, man. So a lot of times when I'm like, I don't know what to pray right now, I'll pray in tongues because I know I'm strengthening myself and I'm strengthening myself in the spirit. So in this realm that I overlap into on behalf of heaven, I won't give in to temptation. But here's the other thing he says, let me go on because twice in Luke 20, he gives those instructions to the disciple in verse 40 and in verse 46 he says pray so that you do not give place to temptation but in between that there's another really cool thing about prayer that we see and i'm going to read highlights from verses 41 to 43 it says he meaning jesus walked away about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed father if you were willing please take this cup of suffering away from me. So you see the atmosphere, super intense resistance, super intense spiritual atmosphere. Why? Because the enemy, everything is about to change. The enemy is terrified. The keys of this realm are about to be clutched from the enemy's grasp. So when we feel this resistance, it doesn't make it any less intense, any less resistant and challenging. But when we understand this isn't the enemy winning, this is us on the verge of some amazing shift that we've been contending and believing for. Now, the last thing we want to do is give up and give any place back to the enemy because we'll just have to retake this territory. So why bother? Keep going, keep pressing, keep praying. It says, so if there's any way to take this cup of suffering from me, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. And then this is key. So he's praying. He's praying, Lord, help me operate in agreement with you, Father. And then this is what it says. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. 
So one of the other reasons that we pray, our key, our sixth key, and maybe our most important key is prayer, is it keeps us from giving into the temptation of the enemy to quit, to duck and cover, to despair, to get depressed or discouraged or frustrated or angry, or start releasing darkness instead of light or fear instead of faith. But in addition to that, it also calls forth angels to strengthen us. So there are times when I'm praying and I'll actually pray for a while and then I'll stop and by faith and I'll receive and I'll say, Father, thank you that you were sending angels to strengthen me right now according to your word. And by faith, I receive the ministry of your angels. Strengthen me, strengthen the other intercessors, strengthen the rest of the body of Christ, strengthen us, strengthen us. Thank you, Lord of hosts, commander of angel armies, that you not only send out warring angels, but you send out strengthening angels to help strengthen and build up and encourage and empower and edify your people in this hour for this battle. So those are our six keys of how to stand strong in this hour. This is why the enemy is pressing back so hard right now, why the resistance and the spiritual warfare is so intense right now. It's why the Lord actually allows seasons like this. The enemy's not winning. God is actually using all of this. But then there are the six keys that will help us, help you stand strong in the midst of this battle. Because yes, it's intense, but it's also one of the most glorious and historic times to have ever been alive as a Christian in the earth. We are going to see great and glorious things, and you are a big part of that. So thank you so much for joining me for this episode of Heroes Arise. Thank you for your grace and your kindness over these last few weeks when I wasn't able to get this show out. But don't forget to check out all the other content we've been creating with the Ask Robert video series, the God's Top 5 video series. And of course, in addition to this video series, we have all the podcasts of the Heroes Arise podcast. There's dozens and dozens of them that you can listen to all for free. All the videos are for free. Everything on my YouTube channel, everything on my Rumble channel, it's all for free. But then also check out the new short form devotional podcast, Word Up with Robert Hodgkin. Search that out, subscribe, like, share, help us get word out, help us build our subscriber base, help us equip, empower, and encourage more heroes just like you. Thanks so much. I'll see you guys back here again soon. Ready for more? Go to roberthotchkin.com for more teachings, more resources, and more information about Robert Hodgkin Ministries and men on the front lines.